Good morning. My name is Akeem, and welcome to Lost Movie Madness. I am here talking to my friend Sean. Sean? How you doing? All right. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about the movie Trading Places, right? Now, classic, 1983. 1983. That is correct. You want you want to talk about it? You want you want to tell people what it's about? Well, Trader Places is, is uh, obviously, if you think about it, I was 11 years old when this movie came out. Yes, you're old. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I am old. <laughs> no, no, I was 11 years old. Yeah, 1983, because I'm born in '72. Um, it's about a uh, a con. Well, he ain't a con man. He, he's a uh, well, he's a combination of many different aspects. Thing, Eddie Murphy. And then there's this uh, Dan Aykroyd, who's this, I guess, investment banker that works for this this brother crew called Duke and Duke. Yeah, and Duke and Duke. So right. this this whole combination of a, a clash between them two come about after Eddie Murphy's roaming down the street on a, uh, a well, I don't know what, the, what you call those, but basically a well, like back in the day, a lot of the it was a dolly. homeless folks. It was a dolly. Yeah, dolly, yeah, dolly, dolly, dolly. That's the thing. Dolly. But an old school dolly. It was just a square old, on wheels. Yeah, square wheel, old school dollies. He's pushing around. He's talking to people, trying to get some money from here and there. Nobody want to give him no money. So eventually he runs it to the police. And then the police comes in contact with him and say, hey, we investigate in some man, some con man or whatever roaming around here begging for money. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, I can't help you, officer. I haven't seen nothing since uh, Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, oh, you Vietnam. <laughs> so these two police officers numb themselves. He's like, what unit were you part of? I was, uh, you know, then he just started coming up with different names. Yeah, I was in the Green Beret. I was in Dang Down. Ding, ding. He just started saying all that. <laughs> so eventually the cops got to the point where they picked him up. Mm. And then they, uh, he said, "I can see." I can see. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he put his foot, feet down, and then he said, "I can walk." Yeah. Can walk. So you know, like I said, that combination led to one thing, and then eventually he's walking back away from the police, and then this is when the whole uh, interaction with Dan Nacker comes out. Dan Nacker is coming out of his private club slash, I guess, the office building of. Uh, Duke and Duke. It's probably was a private club. Yeah, I think it was Duke a private and... club. Like he was coming yeah, out of so it. He comes, like with yo, Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd immediately thinks, oh, you trying to take still my suitcase? He's like, no, I'm not. You can have it. Then there's that third. He's getting hit on by the chauffeur or the, I guess the, the guy that's opening the doors for the place. And then he calls the police. Yeah. Reggie Hammond runs around, runs to the, the, the social club. Running through tables, a whole bunch of police is all of a sudden in this in the inside the social club. The first thing he does after he falls out of uh, not falls, he he crawls out of the table area. Yeah, whole bunch of guns laid on him. First thing he says, "Is there a problem, officer?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy Ray Valentine, not Reggie Hammond. Billy, Billy Ray <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> but yes, so they get they get mixed up. And mm-hmm. he gets Dan Aykroyd sends him to jail. Says, "Oh, he was trying to rob the payroll or whatever." And yeah. the Duke brothers see this and they go, "Okay, we're gonna have a we're gonna have an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna switch them roles." 
Now, yeah. I was talking to my, my, my baby's mother, and I said, trade in places. And she was like, yeah, it was like Freaky Friday. It is not like Freaky, Freaky Friday. It is not like that at all. All right? I only know if Friday is. But Freaky okay. Friday is uh, two. Jamie Lee Curtis is also in a version of Freaky Friday where a mother and a daughter, they switch minds. It is not that. These are two actual people switching places. All right? No doubt. So, like, because I was like, what do you mean Freaky Friday? She was like, uh, yeah, they, they see through each other's eyes. I was like, they see through each other's eyes, but they actually switch places. Their minds don't go into each other's minds, which is a whole different genre of film. And you've never seen Freaky Friday? You've never seen that? Yeah, I never. Um, I never saw it. I wouldn't recommend any of the, like, eight of them that they made. They, they made, oh, they made eight of them? They made a bunch of them. There's like there's like three actual Freaky Fridays, and there's like they've named them different things, but they're exactly the same thing. People run into each other, or they hit their heads, or there's a lightning storm, and their minds switch places. There's like eight or ten of those movies. I, matter of fact, I'll look them up. But like that premise is old, and it's not great because you get to see like if you switch, they just made a black one, which is great by the way. Representation is good. Um, cool. they just made, they just made a black one. So, um, so anyway, um, the Dukes get Billy Ray Valentine out of jail, even though he had like an mm-hmm. attempted murder, he had like a bunch of charges. They get him out of jail. They give him Lewis Winthorpe's no, that, job. You, 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 you skipped one of the most important parts. Oh, I'm po- I, I apologize. Please tell me, sir. You forget this part. So he's up in jail. Yeah. He's telling these three guys. Yeah. He like these. These three dudes, young boys. Oh yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I practice with Bruce Lee, and yeah, um, what I do basically drop a quarter blood out of the body. Yeah, quarter blood move. That's right. That's right. He just falls out of the body, and then he hit him with. Uh, then the, the brother sitting in the back, old school dudes, want to look like Barry White because he made the reference of Barry White. Yeah, he do. He, he do said, look a bit like Barry. Yes, he does. He said. When you came in the pen, he was crying like a pea. He was like, oh, yeah, because the police threw CS gas in my face, and they only do that in riots. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he caused the riot. <laughs> By the way, Giancarlo Esposito is also in this film. He's in that scene that you're talking about. The young man. Yes, yeah, the police officer, right? No, the young man who was standing up next to Eddie Murphy. Oh, that's the Esposito dude. Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. Giancarlo Esposito. There's a lot of people in this thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, looking, at, look, I'm looking at the picture of him right now. You're crazy. Oh, yeah. You're that's, right. You're right. There's, there's, there is a whole bunch of people that's, like I said, that's probably still starring in movies today. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's... I mean, when they switch, because the brothers switch them out, regardless, mm-hmm. it's not really that germane to the plot. You know, they get when they set Winthrop up with some with some angel dust, which, by the way, <laughs> is the most random drug to pick. Like with all the drugs that are out there, they're like, you know, what we're gonna get we're gonna get some angel dust, some love boat. <laughs> we're gonna set him up with some love boat, and that, that'll be it. And then, and then, then the whole the whole fake stigma about how police test drugs with the tasting of the oh, listen, listen, that was crazy. I'm watching, like I said to you, I'm watching Tango and Cash, right? And Mm -hmm. Tango and Cash, 
Like at the very beginning of the scene, um, Stallone really? shoots this this um, this tanker, this oil tanker, and uh-huh. the drugs start pouring out the side, uh, the the hole. Right. First of all, cocaine don't pour like that. Two, <laughs> the one thing he does is he puts his hand, and cups it, and he, he tastes it. Now. I was listening to the Always Sunny podcast, and one of the guys was saying that's what he liked to do one day. He liked to um, cut open a, a bag of drugs and, and touch it to his lip. That is not what police officers do. That is definitely not what police officers do. That is ridiculous. Like, you could poison yourself. You don't know what the fuck these, these, uh, these substances are. You could die. You could have a heart attack. You don't know the purity of that cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not so. to mention now. Go ahead. I was gonna say now, police officers can't do that, but obviously, you know, if you was any any if you're involved in a street game, uh, you you got you know, we we taking this off topic, but you know, we we, we got people that does testing for for people that's in that type of lifestyle. Yes, they'll have to test it. I'm very and familiar. Some people that, and there's some people that you know when they do mess with that coke. They'll like say rub it on their t- on their on their teeth or the gums rather to see the purity or how it makes them feel on the gums. So it, it does happen, but police does not do that. I would suggest to you, and I and I know that world sadly, um, that that is not how they test it either. Like you got it, you got. First of all, if I'm the drug dealer, I'm not testing mm-hmm. it. That's just not what I'm doing. But if but- I'm getting enough weight that it needs to be tested, I'm not getting from a steady supplier. Then I have somebody okay. there. I either have a testing kit like the police have, all right, because mm-hmm. that's that's real simple to get. You can get it online anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I have somebody who would like some free drugs, and mm-hmm. well if they want to continue to get free drugs, especially for me, they're going to give me an honest assessment of what is going on. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to test it on myself. That's ridiculous. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying you specifically, but I'm. I'm this is. When I'm when I was just telling you this story, I'm yeah. talking about I've witnessed this personally. Yeah, but that's a bad idea, and you can't tell quality on that. You're right. You're right. It's a bad. Idea. Yeah, definitely, it's a bad idea. The best way you can tell true quality is obviously once you start. You now, once again, we go into another. Yeah. Going to left fifth this one, but there's so many different ways to test the problem. But yes. let's get back on that. By the Eddie way, Murphy we do not condone drug use. Or no drug use. No drug use. We don't condone going out and getting the key and cutting it open. We don't condone any of that. I'm just saying we're just saying that what is what has been portrayed in the media, which I guess is a good thing, is not how it works on the streets. It doesn't work on the streets. It doesn't work with policemen. Policemen will never ever cut anything open or open anything and put their finger in it and put in their mouth. Never. They will never Never do that. There are labs to test for it. Their, their tests that they have on the street. There are all sorts of things. But what they will not do is put it in their body. <laughs> now, with that digression, because, <laughs> yeah, the police officer's like, oh, that's PCP. Like, that doesn't... Yeah. And by the way, when you go to jail and they're checking your stuff in, there aren't six cops standing there checking you out. There's a jail guy, yeah. right? And, yeah. he is, and, and he is behind something. And there's really no choices. You're just getting dressed and undressed and all the rest of it. There aren't choices there. There's you, you're already booked, and you're getting undressed. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. They're really, by the time you get to that point, yeah, you're not like in, in, in in the jailhouse where they're, you know, the police don't do that stuff. 
There are people that they, yeah. the, the county jail people, they do all that stuff. The police are out yeah. catching robbers and they're in Philadelphia. You don't got enough yeah. manpower in Philadelphia to take six of them to check some guys in. You just don't. I'm sorry. Okay. That's a digression. All right. So, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. We got to add Jamie Ooh. Lee in because we're about okay. we're about 12 minutes in and we haven't mentioned Jamie Lee. All right. Jamie Lee, I know. Now, now, that was a fly point when she ran up on uh, after uh, – I can't think of his a girlfriend's name at the time. She doesn't Jamie matter because she's that. not really a character in this movie. She's right. She's there to be but a bitch. She, no, but, Penelope. But, but believe it or not, Penelope, yes. Yeah. Believe it or not, Penelope came twofold. I know she ain't really a true character, nothing too impressive about her, but she was good looking. But then the guys was hating on him when he was like, yeah, I'm going to have dinner with Penelope tonight. And then one of the guys, he was like, oh, aren't you lucky? And then you see the hatred from one of the guys. And he was just like, you could just see the look in his face. And those are the same guys that was when he came in, uh, when uh, Ackroyd came back into the clubhouse. Yeah. And he was like, oh, banned from the clubhouse. Penelope was with them dudes, and dude was with the, the one dude that gave Dan Aykroyd the funny eye when Dan Aykroyd was getting his money. Yeah, he was with Penelope at the time. So basically, the moral of that story was, them dudes that be acting like they cool with you, they aren't really cool with you, and if you get the opportunity to get your woman, they will, and that's that. Well, well, I think Dan Aykroyd did as much as he could at the beginning yeah. of that movie to rub. His his uh, fortune in people's faces. That's also another lesson. You know, when when things are going good, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't be crappy to people because you never know who you're going to see going mm-hmm. back down. Because things, I'm a big believer, and this is another digression. I'm a big believer that um, blessings do come. All right, mm-hmm. but it's how you deal with those blessings that really show your character. Okay. Yeah. So. Like, um, when I was younger, you know, I, I would want to go out and buy flashy things and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. in the end, it was, wasn't worth anything. And you're with people who, you know, are happy to spend your money. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I've been with people and happy to spend their money, but really don't care about you. It's about creating real relationships with real people who you enjoy being with. And monetary value really isn't that important. So I spent a, you know, I, as you know, I just got a major raise. One thing I didn't do is go blow a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm 43. You know, no I'm, I'm not 25. And now these people, I mean, Dan Aykroyd's in his 30s. Anyway, let's get let's get back into it. Um, Jamie Lee comes in. She destroys his relationship. Now that relationship yeah. seemed very shallow because this girl comes up and is like, like this is your this is your fiance. And your fiance thinks yeah. that you're dealing drugs on the side, like something <laughs> mm, that that woman wasn't really that interested. If she really thinks that that's what was going on with Dan Aykroyd, she wasn't that keyed in anyway. That's the mm-hmm. thing. So she leaves him on the street. He's got nothing. He can't go anywhere. And Jamie Lee takes him in. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. share something with you. Um, Jamie Lee's great in this film, and Jamie Lee. Um, I don't know when I saw it. Sometime in the late '80s. But people talk about awakenings. Oh my god, Jamie Lee takes her top off in this thing, and I was like eight or nine years old, and I was like, That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it like that. That is amazing. And um, 
it was a pleasant surprise that I had forgotten which scene it was coming up. And I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Jamie Lee is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. And she's got the short hair, um, it, which looked much better than the wig. I don't know what the wig was about. The wig was craziness. Yeah. But then you've got, you know, you've got the trope of the, the, the hooker with the heart of gold, for lack of a better term. You know, mm-hmm. she, she's out there. She's struggling. She comes from nothing. Um, and she's trying to make money so she can retire. She's only 24, she says. Which, by the way, Jamie Lee isn't 24 in this movie. But um, <laughs> not at all. But um, she's only 24, and she's trying to retire in three years. And she's saving up all her money. And she takes care of Dan Aykroyd. And so we get to the climax of the film, right? The bet, mm-hmm. they bet that they can... They can switch the two guys, and one will become uh, a great employee. The other one will become a criminal, and it happens. Dan Aykroyd, it's Christmas Eve. Dan Aykroyd comes in, and he he tries to frame um, Billy Valentine, Eddie Murphy. Um, He tries to frame him with drugs. (laughs) And um, there's a great scene where they're like, man, he's trying to plant those drugs in. And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a gun and walks away. And Billy Wade throws away all the drugs except for a joint. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he goes into the into the bathroom to smoke the joint, which I don't know what weed was like then, but like you blown into the, the vent ain't gonna stop people from smelling it. But anyway, yeah. the Duke brothers come in and mm-hmm. they had okay, the bet, you won the bet. I can't remember if it was Randolph or Mortimer, one of the two brothers. Um, with Donna Michi's amazing in this thing. And um they 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 hand over a dollar because the bet's over a dollar. We destroy, we'll raise up one person and we'll lower another person, and we're gonna do it for a dollar. All right, we're playing mm-hmm. with these people's lives. And then um Don Amici says, You wouldn't have a nigger, excuse me, wouldn't have an N-word as the managing director of our firm. And he was like, Neither would I. So these guys are not only um uh are are not only um, snobs, but they're also racist. So mm-hmm. that takes away any sympathy the audience might have of saying, okay, maybe they're doing a, a My Fair Lady sort of thing. No, these people don't care and they also have done this because they can just do it and destroy these men's lives. So what we do to them after this point, don't worry about it. They're racist. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens to them, right? So okay. So they're cheaters. They 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 pay this guy, Mr. Beeks, to give them this crop report so they can corner the market on frozen concentrated orange juice. And through a bunch of machinations, which, by the way, one of the best scenes in this movie is them on the train. And <laughs> we need to discuss Dan Rackroyd coming in in blackface. We got to discuss that. Oh my. We got we got to, because that's one of the funniest things that nobody is obviously... This day and time, you can't get around with, get away with that. No, and there was no reason for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would go why. It it <laughs> is it is really unfathomable why he like they come in as these characters right now. It's, it's mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. They've stolen. They they're trying to steal the crop report from the guy, Mister Beeks, who by the way, the guy who plays Mister Beeks brings it. He is bringing it in that thing. All right. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name right now, but he is—he is menacing and he's angry, and you feel like he will shoot you in the fucking head. 
No question. Yes. You feel like that's a that's a possibility that, that guy will do. So uh, they come in. They're all dressed. Eddie Murphy, who's working on his African accent so he can do um, coming to America in three years. He's working on that. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's from Cameroon. He's working on that. Yeah. And then the <laughs> butler comes in. Coleman comes in. And he's a Irish <laughs> priest, which is, with a terrible Irish accent. Terrible. That's true. And then uh, <laughs> Jamie Lee comes in with later hosing on, and she says she's from Sweden. And <laughs> Coleman's yeah. like, you're, you're you're wearing later hose in that. Like it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Swedes don't wear that. But she comes in. She's got she's got another another wig on. And then Dan Aykroyd comes in and he's got a bad makeup job. Oh and, my god, terrible! And he's wearing a, a hat, one of those Rasta hats with a bad yeah. dreadlocks underneath the the, the Rasta hat. And <laughs> they do this whole thing. And you know, like here's the thing: like if you were on a hidden camera show, like I like Impractical Jokers, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm on a hidden camera show, when shit starts getting real weird, all right, what's happening? What's happening? Something's going on, all right? Because life doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. And well to his credit, Beaks goes, "Okay, shit, shit ain't right in here. I know it's New Year's <laughs> Eve, but sh- these people aren't pretending." To be these characters. These people are telling me they're these characters, and none of it adds up. So he catches them, right? He catches them, and he takes them down the train because he's going to do away with them. And they get to a car with a gorilla in it. A gorilla, just <laughs> a gorilla who's untranquilized, and right. the bars are wide open. And by the way, before this, there's a great scene with um oh he was a senator, Al Franken. Al mm-hmm. Franken and and some other guy are driving are driving this gorilla to the train. Again, I'm not yeah. sure that's how you transport gorillas. All right. I'm just I'm not sure that this is like true to life at all. So we're gonna suspend our disbelief. We're gonna suspend and say, yes, they're gonna put a gorilla in the back of this train with no tranquilizer, with open-ass bars that this gorilla can just grab anybody through. So anyway... Did the, you... Huh? Listen, did you see who played the gorilla? No. Oh, oh! Oh, wait, wait, wait. Because I didn't set that up. There's a guy also wearing a gorilla outfit who was um, Jim... Oh, what is his Belushi. last name? Jim... Um, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Yes. Who is yes. uh, overacting his ass off. He is... Mm-hmm. Not great in this thing, but he's a party guy, so good enough. Yeah, he's a party guy, and he's so he shows up while they're about to be shot, and there's a there's a tussle. The gorilla busts um, beaks in the head, and they dress beaks up and put him in the gorilla, and they they also tape <laughs> his mouth down, so he's not able to talk. Now there are two gorillas in the cage, which is extremely dangerous, but we're going to ignore that. And the gorilla, the let's let's end the gorilla story. The gorilla has its way with with Clarence Beaks, and they end up on a ship leaving New York, going to Africa, with two gorillas yeah. instead of one, which is not how shipping works. Again, no doubt, not how like you got two gorillas instead of one. Somebody's going to check it. And by the way, the eye holes on this gorilla outfit are so huge, are so huge. <laughs> And you can clearly see the person underneath it. 
the mask is the fake real gorilla isn't a very good fake real gorilla but the outfit isn't even close isn't even close that, that's the best part and they're like all right we'll just send it to africa it's fine so anyway they corner they set it up and they corner the market we're not going to go into how trading works they corner the market and they make sure that the dukes are um are uh, are have no money left i can't think of the word have no money left right and that's the end of the movie. They end up on a beach in the Caribbean. And we see the Duke brothers in coming come to America. They're, they're bums. Right? And Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Akeem, by the way, Prince Akeem, shout out, um, gives him a bunch of money. And Mortimer goes, Randolph, we're back. That happens in Coming to America. So I guess this is all in the same universe. Now, having watched it again, what did you think of the acting? Obviously, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Obviously, hands down. Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd. It was, like I said, it was priceless, you know. Obviously, like I said, it was just just happenstance. I happened to turn on my uh, TV one day, and it was on, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And I just kept on watching. I was just laughing and laughing and laughing. Probably certain things like the black face was a little over the top. Um, uh, the whole, the whole uh, <laughs> Mr. Beak's attitude. Yeah. <laughs> when he threw the person off the phone, when he told the lady to f off. <laughs> that's one of my. That's one of my favorite parts. He's like, "Fuck off." He's like, the lady was just standing there. F off. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think I think he might be the hidden gem in this thing. I really do. Yeah. I think he's really good in it. And like you really believe he will shoot somebody in the face. Like not even a question. He's bringing a lot yeah. of just energy and strength to this, this this thing. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Um so I thought the acting was good cuz I thought like you said Dan Aykroyd toned it down a bit from where he mm-hmm. he he can be. Like, Dan Aykroyd's, like, I don't think people remember how big an actor he was in the early to mid-80s. Like, Dan Aykroyd was in a lot of stuff. And sometimes he brought a lot of manic energy, but I thought he dialed it down in this thing. So, Mm -hmm. like, I I reviewed um, uh, Dr. Detroit, and like I I told you, Dr. Detroit, he is uh, just all over the place crazy. But he does like to play dress-up. He does like to do that. So... When they said you could dress up as Santa, when you could say you can dress up as a Rasta, I'm sure he was like, "I'm all in, I'm good." Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the story? Was the story believable? Like I said, it, it, it shows you that, like I said, uh, the whole uh, we are gonna we're gonna switch up, uh, uh, put two different people like the name trading places. We're gonna put two different people with different walks of life and see how they manage themselves. Obviously. Dan, uh, Billy Ray Valentine did a better job in managing yeah. his position straight from going from one perspective to another than Dan Aykroyd being in a, in a higher uh, pay demographic going down to a lower, to poverty, basically. Yeah. So I, I think, obviously, I mean, if, you, if you've never had the struggle, if you've never had the struggle, mm-hmm. getting slapped in the face with the struggle, 
Ah, mm-hmm, yo, that, that's that, that's yeah. that's rough. That's yeah. rough. Like if you struggled and then went up and came back down, at least you have some experience. But yep. <laughs> when you when you um never had to struggle and everything, because he's he's Lewis Winthorpe the third. All right, so he's not <laughs> he's he's not the first one. He's not the second one. So you know that. And he's got a Harvard tie, so I take it went to Harvard. So um, and probably not on a scholarship. So um, mm-hmm. when you gotta when you break that person down, like he tried to he tried to kill himself at one point. Which yeah yeah. By the way, uh, if you're struggling with with suicidal thoughts, there are people out there who can help you. Um, life is worth living, no matter what's going on. I just want to say that. Um, You're right. That's the good, good words of the day. There are always somebody out there who can help you and find somebody and talk to them because um, life is always worth living. But anyway, um, but when you get to that point and it's, you're at your darkest, lowest ebb, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, when you lose everything, it can feel like everything is gone and that there's no hope. And in the end, at least he does find some some redemption. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who who loses everything is going to be able to corner the market and frozen orange juice, but you can find something out there. Um, although, mm-hmm. like, but like, if you ain't got nothing, uh, and somebody gives you a job that pays eighty grand, even the day this is eighty three, so eighty grand is no like two hundred grand now. Like it's. It's a large yeah. amount of money. Maybe more than that, brother. Yeah, probably more than that, because eighty grand in nineteen eighty. Um, yeah. Remember the message he said, "Driving big cars, spending twenties and tens." I mm-hmm. I always think of that line because you know oh, he's spending twenties and tens. It doesn't really register today, mm-hmm. but back in eighty three, twenties and tens. Not now you're spending big money. This is before mm-hmm. they had the big face hundreds. You know what I mean? This is this is. You know, people wasn't spending 50s. If you had a 50, somebody was robbing you. Anyway, <laughs> but all right. So we thought we both thought the acting was good. All right. What do you think of the cinematography? What do you think of like how it was shot? Um, the visuals. What did you think of that? You know, obviously for an 80s movie, it was probably one of the better ones. Think about it. You know, when we go back to them times, the 80s, when they show them, like, some of the some of the scenes is all, you know, from like it's some. I'm not gonna say the scary movies is any different, but from the scary movies to yeah. any of the F30, 80 movies, they just they did a lot of good. And now, once again, who directed this was the same dude, the Landis guy. Yeah, John Landis. So, uh, so that dude was on point with his business. So they did a good job. I'm talking about just the looks and everything. As I look at the people, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I'm I got like, it on the background. Yeah, I got it on my TV. I'm 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 watching I'm watching uh, the little scene where they're where they're at dinner. Um, Eddie Murphy and he's standing outside in the rain. And I think visuals like that really give you yeah. the exposition of what's going on with these people. Literally, um, Billy Ray Valentine is warm and comfortable and enjoying life while yeah. uh, while um, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Louis. Uh, Winthorpe is standing out in the rain looking at him, thinking about mm-hmm. what he's lost. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's that sort of juxtaposition. It's a visual thing, but it provide it gives the, the viewer 
the idea of yeah. what's really going on with these two people, not only externally mm-hmm. but internally. So I thought I thought it was shot well, and you can say a lot with visual without without actually having to say the words, and it just progresses the the, the story. I thought the pacing of the movie was also good. I thought it never felt like it was getting long, and it's not ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. But each story beat carried the story further, and you got a little close, and you got to understand what these characters were, and you didn't, and you never felt like, oh, well, when's this scene going to end? No, I'm on for the ride. What do you think? Oh yeah, like I said, it was just like I said from from the beginning, Eddie Murphy on the dolly to yeah. to the end when they inside the uh, the Wall Street and trying to trading, yeah, and just how they chilling together. So that whole mentality was the, just... the visual of the trading floor was great too, because it's a scrum. Yeah. yeah, it was out of control. In Wall and Street, it's a scrum, control. right? Like them traders are getting it in. This is about serious money. We we trying to corner the, the frozen orange juice market. The frozen concentrated orange juice. We trying to get that thing. Because it pe- says something right. Huh? It's no, it's not going down. Yeah. They bought, they, <laughs> listen, they sold high and they bought it back low. They made a ton of money. They, they, I think they bought it, they sold it at a buck 42 and then bought back <laughs> in at like 32. That's like $110 a share. Woo! <laughs> Lord. That, when you, when you're talking big money, that's, that's big money. You made some serious cash on that. Anyway. Um, entertainment value. Did you find it entertaining? Yes. <laughs> yes. I yeah, think- was, like I said, one of the, like I said, think about it. When I when I saw it in '83, I was out of, you know a young boy looking at it and laughed. When I seen it in the '90s, talked about it when I was in the military, was laughing. In the 2000s, seen it again, laughing. And like I said, 2022, I looked at it again. And it was just like I said, you know, then you picked up on things like that was like a little over the top, like I said, the blackface and uh, the gorilla thing, but it still was a funny movie. Yeah, I thought um, it is it is really held up. There are a lot of movies that don't hold up. There are some things no that were acceptable then that definitely aren't acceptable now. But mm-hmm. in the end, you, it's a joyride. You just you, you go through it. You ain't got to think about a whole lot. Lot you ain't got to try to figure it out. It tells you what it is. <laughs> It's entertaining. The guys are funny. Jamie Lee, Lee adds some heart to it. So does Coleman, the actor who um, who is the uh, the butler, adds a little heart because you can tell he he feels bad about what he has to do. But sometimes we got to do some things in order to keep ourselves solvent. But in the end, he comes back. Like there's a character arc even for that smaller character. Um, I thought, like, I really did think like. This movie has held up in a in a way that some a lot of movies from that period don't, and it was entertaining as entertaining today as it was back then. Now, yeah. uh, Sean, um, recommended. I take it it's a yes from you. Yes, definitely a recommended movie to see. If you haven't seen it in a while, see it. If you a young boy mm-hmm. that never seen that's crazy, I, I recommend you see it. And um, if like I said, uh. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize how great Eddie Murphy was. Eddie was the dude. He was that guy. Eddie was Eddie was a serious movie star. He was a serious, yeah. and he brought a lot of joy. And people will see Beverly Hills Cop and, 
and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, but like there are a lot of movies that he did that were that were really good. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to watch 48 Hours here soon and talk about oh, that. Oh yeah, 48 Hours, right? Like I said, I, I watched that. Like I said, I watched that countless times. Man, 48 Hours. Well, we may <laughs> we may have to sit down and talk about that. Now, um, oh yeah, we're yeah, at 48 Hours. We're at 36 minutes. Yeah. It goes flat. It goes fast. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, do you want to shout out anybody? Do you want to say anything to anybody out there? Uh, obviously, I don't know who's listening to this, but whoever's not listening to this, get on board. Like I said, they get the opportunity to talk to my man, Akeem. Obviously, I get to meet him. Obviously, working at a job together. Um, he's good people. He knows his business. He's a New York dude, so you know I got love for my <laughs> New York dude. Represent New York City. Harlem, even though he's from Harlem. Better believe it. I love, even though I got I got love. But anybody that's listening, like I said, definitely, you know, get on watching some of the older movies. Like I said, you you said some movies I never even seen. Because obviously growing up in the Bronx, I didn't get to see all the movies. I get to see the ones that, that was like kind of like, uh, you know, you go to the, the, the video stores and get them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before Block. And all of that crazy stuff. With the corner little video you know, stores, little corner yeah, joints, yeah. had the no, curtain no, in the back. Don't doubt, don't doubt, because <laughs> you never know what they else had their back there. So you know they had to do it right. But um, but like I said, uh, shout out to obviously my wife holding me down. Uh, my daughter who's in school right now. My family, my brother who's about to get out. He's been laying it down for the past seven years, seven years, seven years to get out at the end of May. So awesome. I'm going to be down in Carolina to pick them up. So, awesome. Um, like I said, um, I guess I'll be a shout out to myself because obviously I came up and I went down and I'm like, I'm going to be back up. Well, Sean, um, I'm not going to shout you out. Um, I appreciate <laughs> you being here. <laughs> well done. But this is also, this is also going to go on YouTube so you can see it here in a little bit. I just couldn't get the connection working for me to put your visual up. But it's just okay, going to be my face. See, did, did you see me log in? No, it it would not let me record it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That, that's the problem. So that's a whole other... I'll, I'll discuss that with you later. All right? That's a okay, whole no other doubt. thing. Um, but um, that's it from us here at Lost Movie Magic. Madness, excuse me. Right. Um, if you like what you see or heard... Please leave a like, share, subscribe this. Um, You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on whatever podcatcher that you listen to on. Thank you so much, and you have a great day.